The word of the Lord from Mark chapter 6, this verse, verse 53, or I'm sorry, 34. When he went ashore, Jesus saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. To all of you gathered here on this warm, muggy Sunday morning in God's house, but as well as those of you joining us through our cable broadcast or through the internet, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. With all due respect to the musical group Mike and the Mechanics and their 1985 hit song, I wonder how many of us haven't thought, felt, or even prayed this sentiment. All I need is a miracle. Wouldn't it be nice to have a miracle once in a while? Yes. I don't know if this qualifies as a miracle per se, but this video clip is a thread that runs through the movie God's Not Dead. And in the clip, you'll, you'll see two individuals trying to make their way to Disney World. Pastor Dave from the movie is hosting a missionary from, from Africa. And the, the missionary wants to go to Disney World so he can get Mickey ears and send a picture to his mom. And so, well, you see how their trip begins. So, what does he do? He calls a rental company so that they can come and pick them up. Hiya, Tom Blanchard, Metro City Auto. Here's your keys. Thank you. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Thanks. Ah. You're kidding. What did you do? Did you break it? What? <laughs> Attempt number three. Is this the same car? Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Same model, different color. The other one was a Cabernet. This is more of a, a Merlot. to bring my suitcase. Not bringing it to show a lack of faith. Oh, merciful Father, please allow this car to stop. Amen. That's it? Why? Do you have a better Lord? Please make my car run. Blessing that you know. No. <laughs> so then, let's give it a try. No, 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 no. Put our bags in the trunk first. David, we spend our entire lives talking about faith. 
Now I'm asking you to show faith. Unbelievable, no. Faith. Wouldn't it be nice? Maybe that's our problem. We just don't have enough faith at times. We don't take our bags and stick them in the trunk of the car because we know it's going to start this time. And Matt, maybe that is the case. Maybe we certainly, as Jesus constantly is, is telling his disciples and his followers, believe, have more faith. But at the same time, would that same prayer have worked if it had been a flat tire? Or would they have had to get out and change the tire in order to make it work? Speaking of miracles, our gospel lesson gives us the opportunity to visit again one of the more familiar miracles of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000. But remind ourselves of the context in which this miracle took place. Jesus had wanted to get his disciples to a lonely place for a retreat, some relaxation and rest, but the crowds beat them there and Jesus had compassion on them and began to teach them many things. In fact, he taught so many things that time kept going by longer and longer until his disciples were the ones. Based on their common sense and experience, they had to come to Jesus and to let him know what the situation was. We read in verses 35 and 36 of our, of our gospel. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the villages surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Notice the disciples did not come to Jesus asking for a miracle. They were simply responding to a need. And that's the first line in your outline if you are following along on page three in the worship folder. They didn't come saying, Jesus, do a miracle. They said, these people are hungry and tired. And so we need to address their need. Now, I'm not saying every miracle follows this pattern. There are plenty of cases in Scripture and otherwise where people have directly interceded for a miracle with the Lord, and in many cases, he has responded in the affirmative. But in this case, it started out simply based on the disciples' perception of the people's needs. Which brings us to the statement, God helps those who help themselves. That's right. That's the second uh, fill-ins for your uh, sermon outline. By the way, is that in the Bible? Benjamin Franklin is attributed to having coined it, although some would say that sentiment and perhaps even that quote goes as far back as Aesop's fables back centuries before. But now the question is, is it accurate? God helps those who help themselves? Absolutely. 
No question about it. We come across problems, challenges in our lives, our daily living. We work hard to accomplish what we believe to be God's will. Does he bless us and help us? Absolutely. The problem becomes if we think that that's the only way or time when God helps people. In fact, we see in this gospel account that it's just the exact opposite. That it's God helps those who, in many cases, can't help themselves when he acts. And that leads me to follow up that statement with a few other caveats or conditions for those whom God helps. And as we look at this miracle a little more closely, I think it'll become clear that, well, for one thing, God helps those who receive Christ's command. You see, as they responded to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, it's late. The people need to get something to eat. Notice what Jesus says to them in verse 30, the first part of verse 37. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Jesus had another plan in mind. Instead of just saying, you people go help themselves, which they certainly could have, gone into the towns like the disciples had said, in this case, God said, no, disciples, you give them something to eat. He gives a command. But then we notice that the disciples were quick to recognize their inadequacies. That's a nice one to spell, inadequacies. Immediately they say to Jesus, they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? I think another way to paraphrase this would be to say the disciples responded to Jesus, we can't. Are you crazy? We can't give these people, we can't afford that much. 200 denarii, again, this is where our, our study Bibles and, and information like that helps. A denarius is said to be a day's wage. So 200 denarii, would, what would that be? Uh, 200 days wages, about two-thirds of a year's salary. And depending on how you calculate that on the minimum wage or whether it's median income or whatever it might be, we're talking thousands of dollars. The disciples obviously did not have that. And so they recognized their inadequacies to the Lord. Lord, we can't do this. We don't have nearly enough money to help and to provide. And that's what leads to our third point about God helps those who follow the Lord's direction. You see, Jesus says, well, don't stop there. Don't tell me you can't. Find out how much you do have. Verse 38 begins, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so they took inventory. They went around it, presumably, and, and tried to find as much food as they could. And they did what the Lord said. And then the fourth point there, they, God helps those who do not withhold what they do have. Notice, they could have come back and been so embarrassed and said, We've, you know, and, and said, don't even tell Jesus. It's not even worth mentioning. I mean, only five loaves and two fish. But they didn't. They came to Jesus and they said, all we have is five loaves and two fish. But here they are. And we know the rest of the story. Jesus took those meager resources and he performed an incredible miracle. 
multiplying that food so that 5,000 plus people not only had something to eat, but it says they were satisfied. Wow. What a miracle. So now we come to Roman numeral three. And maybe one of the most important things to ask, so what? I mean, what's the point? Do you realize that this is one of the miracles in which nobody is um, given healing or restored sight or, or health or being able to walk again or hearing? Nobody is raised from the dead and, and nothing earth-shaking like this. This is a miracle in which people that could have otherwise found their own means to have dinner, Jesus decides to give them a free supper. Wow. Didn't that change the world? At least the crowds didn't quite understand what Jesus was doing. In John's account, he said the people came to him and they wanted to make him king by force. Make this guy king and then anytime we need something, boom, he just takes care of it. Wouldn't it be great? Jesus responds to the crowd as they come looking for him the next day. In John 6, 26, he says... Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs or miracles, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were thinking really only of their bellies. And that's how some, perhaps even us, view God at times, isn't it? Take care of this, God, and I'll be good to you. I want you to lead me as long as you are going to provide everything that I need. We misunderstand. But even his own disciples, we're told, did not truly understand the point of this miracle. Following this great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat and go across to the lake. And he went up into the hills to pray, we're told. And that night, there was a bad storm that came. The disciples made very little progress. And so Jesus goes out to them, walking on the water. Another incredible miracle. And when they first see him, they think he's a ghost. They scream. But then Jesus says, it's okay. It's me. And so he comes to them, and he gets in the boat. And then listen to these fascinating words from verses 51 and 52 of Mark 6. And Jesus got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. Now listen to this. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. If you get a chance and you want to look up another miracle of Jesus feeding people, in Mark chapter 8 is the feeding of the 4,000. And after that comes even more of a discussion about how the disciples did not understand what that meant. And so the question comes, do we? Do we truly understand and appreciate what Jesus is doing in this miracle? And even more importantly, how it is that he chooses to work in the world today and through his followers Fascinating that the word hardened was used of the disciples' hearts. You know, that's a word that is almost always reserved for Jesus' enemies 
those who don't believe in him, those who challenge him, those who did not accept his authority and his God, his divinity. It often says their hearts were hardened. It's like a condemnation and a judgment. But in this case, it's used of Jesus' closest followers, which shows just how powerful the sinful nature that we have and the sinful world that we live in can be on our spirits. How many times haven't we tried to fit God into a category or into a box or set up circumstances in which if he does this, we'll follow, if he doesn't, forget it, and so on and so forth. Think of how the disciples responded. Jesus said to them, gave them a command, you give them something to eat after they had recognized the need. By God's grace, you and I live in a world and we look around us and every day it seems we, see, we hear or see something that causes us to realize, oh my goodness, where is our society going? They've lost their way. The people around us don't know what they're doing. Aren't they like sheep without a shepherd? Aren't they starving for something spiritual and satisfying, but they have no idea where to find it? And so we come and say, Lord, do something about this. Save these people in our society too. And Jesus comes back to us and says, you take care of it. You do it. Haven't I commanded you? Go and make disciples of all nations. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with everything you've got. Well, how good a job are we doing? Like the disciples, we might come back to the Lord and say, we, we can't do this. We're sinful. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have what we need. And maybe Jesus says to us, well... What do you have? What resources have I blessed you with? What blessings have I given you? And by God's grace, we're able to respond and say, here's what we have, Lord. It's not much, but here it is. I was struck by the comment in the Lutheran Study Bible that makes a statement about our situation it comments on Luke's account of this miracle. It says, like the confused apostles, we often face life's challenges armed with only our sin-starved wisdom and resources. Sin-starved wisdom and resources. Do we have enough? No. We never have enough to do everything that God asks us to do. We never have enough to carry out completely God's will because of our sinfulness. Our sin-starved wisdom and resources comes up woefully short, but yet Jesus says, bring it to me, and we do. We respond, we say, Lord, we can't do this. We don't have enough, but here is what we have. Use it and do your will. And he will. Will he work a miracle? He very well may. Even in something as simple as starting a car or, or getting a free dinner? He may. 
But you can be sure of this, that no matter what happens, as God's people continue to seek his will and to use their experience and common sense to say, what are the needs that we are facing and how can we meet them, that the Lord and Savior Jesus is there as part of the whole thing. You see, what this miracle ultimately is, though we may not understand exactly what's going on here, is I believe that this miracle serves as an invitation to believe. And that's what we need. Over and over again. Come to me, Jesus says. I am the Lord. I can take loaves and give people a free dinner. I can certainly do great things with God's people who give me what they have. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.